0: Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Daryl Black, author of the 1-100 Leadership Solution, how to be the leader you would want. I'm a leadership coach, facilitator, dad to an amazing son, and all-around nice guy. At least I think so. I think we're as connected a society as we've ever been, yet we're more disconnected than ever. I want to change that. My purpose and passion is to help you learn to connect so you can be a better leader, a better parent, a better partner connected leadership it matters remember to subscribe and thanks for listening okay let's do this well welcome to episode number 25 of the connected leadership podcast i'm shocked that it's 25 so far so we're going to be talking about leaders are actually coaches and coaches are leaders. And by the end of the episode, you'll have a better idea of the expanded role of a leader, which is really coach and how to take what you know at work and apply that to your personal life and vice versa. And I'm Daryl Black, and I'm here to take my almost 30 years of, of emergency response experience and learning those lessons in those types of environments uh, during crisis in particular and and taking those lessons and helping you to apply them to your personal and professional life um so really really excited for tonight's episode because well a few things one of which um i've been working on an online challenge and so it's not out quite yet it's uh we're just working on some Facebook ads and a little bit more content around that, that sort of thing. So let's um, transform your leadership in seven days. And it's an online challenge and it's, it's coming soon. And really the deliverables will be building respect, manage performance, gain trust, communicate effectively, reduce workplace uh, stress, lead through issues It includes access to a private Facebook group, daily instructional um, videos by my, from myself, Uh, And worksheets to make sure. Now, this is definitely not a bunch of theory and and bullshit thrown in there. This is uh, very clear and concise material meant to make measurable and tangible changes. So uh, stay tuned for that. So I'm super, super excited to, um, to make that happen. So working on that. Um, and also, I've been doing a lot of, uh, for those of you who've been following on my Instagram in particular, I've been doing a lot of inner work and I've joined a, um, an online coaching program that's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. And uh, so I've been spending a lot of time really evaluating uh, identity and, and some of the things that drive our behavior that's subconscious well, in fact, it's all subconscious. So um, it's a pretty intense program and I've got my notebook here and it is like, so I don't know how many pages this thing is, but it's, I don't know, whatever, but uh, I'm pounding through it at a pretty good pace. Um, I have like, it's called a Phoenix Planner, which goes along with that and um, talks a lot about what your vision for your life is. and some goals for 90 days. And, you know, where do you want to be in those 90 days? Where do you want to be in five years? And really the alignment of where, what you need to be today, that it needs to match already what you want to be in that three to five year time, which I'd always had a lot of trouble with because your identity and all that stuff. So been really open in the hood on that. And, um, you know, figuring out, navigating what that looks like. So more changes to come. And uh, today we did an exercise on values. So, um, but that will be part of the online challenge, I think. And also too, I'm super excited to announce following that online um, challenge, the seven day challenge, we're going to roll into a uh, uh, coaching program. And um, so, but I don't want to bore you with all of those types of details right now, but Essentially, the online challenge will be free. You join it and uh, you get to learn a whole bunch of stuff over seven days. And then uh, there will be an opportunity to um, sign up for a coaching program following that. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, Now, leadership. The definition is what we always start this podcast out as or with. Now, the social influence, which maximizes the efforts of others to achieve a goal. All right. So it's social influence, which maximizes the efforts of others to achieve a goal. That is essentially what leadership is all about. Leadership is really about influence. And the podcasts, all of these episodes were at, again, number 25. All of them have revolved around creating influence. But in order for us to really create influence in others, we have to connect And that has been our tagline, my tagline for an awfully long time. And it seems to be resonating a lot with, with some folks. Uh, So hello there, Jill. Hello there, Chelsea. Great to see you guys on Facebook. Thank you. Uh, Again, I'm using some fancy dancy software now. So um, I'm super stoked that it's freaking working anyways. So a connected leader, it's a, uh, is a self-aware leader that facilitates and doesn't dictate it's one who leads through respect, not fear. A connected leader leads with inspiration and not exasperation. One who is vulnerable, empathetic, compassionate, and calm, and expects the same with those around them. So a connected leader is one who connects and then leads. That is really what we're trying to drive here throughout all of these uh, these episodes and all of the content. And I am just so, 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 so excited to continue pushing the message out and it's only going to amplify. So stay tuned. Now this whole leader is coach coaches is leader kind of uh, thing. Now, where did it start? And um, so for those of you who know me personally and Chelsea especially knows me through the hockey community. And um, so I, I I really wanted to draw a parallel, um, between coaching, coaching sports in particular, youth sports and leadership, because a lot of times we, I don't know if we make that connection necessarily. And even on, in the workplace as a leader, you're actually a coach as well. And, and we'll talk about the similarities. Well, in fact, you'll see the similarities throughout, but that's really what, what, um, uh, caused me to, to do this episode. And, a little bit of backstory is that uh so my son hunter is going is in peewee hockey and uh i wasn't going to coach this year frankly I, I i didn't want to and push came to shove i got the the talk from the the the, the director and it's like well i will if i have to you know if there's you know Somebody that doesn't step up, that, that, that's OK. because frankly, a couple things. Selfishly, if Hunter was going to play on a team, I wanted the ability to pick the team then, so I could pick people that he has played with before, or folks that he knew, and by association kids that I knew, if I was going to coach. And also too, um, this is what, what really spurred me to think about this is I actually view coaching hockey as professional development. I know, I know, it sounds really weird. It's like a big Petri dish. Just like when I respond to a, an emergency, like even high level, for example, or Fort Mac or Katrina or search and rescue missions where there's you know, dozens of people that you gotta come in and, and, and work with and, and bring together really, really quickly. I view that those environments as with a professional development eye, as well as doing a good job eye too. Um and coaching hockey is no different, and you know I talked to my brother about it and he's he 's pretty hard ass um and i i 've spoken about some of the challenges i 've had over the years, and this year in particular there's going to be i don 't want to say challenges but some some things that that we'll have to figure out, and that 's okay and he 's like, You know what, gas' them. like you can 't don't put up with that stuff and it 's really interesting because um it 's just really. It's it's interesting to me, and I know for a fact we'll be able to overcome any challenges. And um, we face challenges every year, and, and I'm okay dealing with that. So I view it very much as a professional development, and this year being no different. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what the approach is. And if for those of you that are coaching youth sports, or you know somebody that is coaching youth sports, uh, and maybe they haven't been exposed to it before, because let's face it in this day and age, there's a lot of, um, a lot of gaps in volunteerism, especially sports. It takes a big time, time commitment in in terms of the time and energy. And, and that was one of my biggest resistors was the energy involved and not physical energy. Um, because as anyone knows, coaching is actually physically pretty freaking easy at practice. You wander around, you don't even run drills. You just skate around, you blow a whistle, make kids do lines, uh, go grab a water bottle, probably one of theirs and suck it back and life's good. So physically not terribly taxing. Time-wise, for sure, it can take some time, but I also thought to myself, if I'm gonna be at the rink driving the kid, I may as well kind of be involved. And in fact, one of my values um, is service, right? So giving back. And so I definitely have a strong, um value for that and not wanting to sit on the on the sidelines and just kind of armchair quarterback as well so if you've got um somebody who is a new coach or something like that flip them this this podcast because uh, i've got a bit of experience in this and this is year seven actually So how do I approach a team? And now, again, this is year seven, but um, my process really hasn't changed an awful lot over all of these years because I, I recognized luckily early that coaches were actually leaders and vice versa. So I approached coaching just like I would any kind of team building or leadership challenge. So the very first thing I do is I decide on what values will be important to us. And I've talked a few times on previous podcast the importance of values and I just talked about you know values right there and and they're it, they're everywhere they're everywhere and you have to be aware of what those values are because those are what you hold to be important to you so you want to make sure that your team this applies to your workplace this applies to the the, the youth sports but you want to make sure that your team knows what those values are. And so even to get there, you have to decide what's important to you. And to me, respect is very, very important in all of the teams. And coincidentally, this was my number one value uh, that was identified through a long exercise. But anyways, and, and, and I knew that pretty clearly because um, respect to me, respect of teammates, respect of coaches, respect of refs, respect of parents, parents respecting other parents, all of those things, that is a value that's really, really important to me. So every team I've gone into, that is really, really important to me. Respect. And um, I'm not sure if um, some of the people viewing here um, were with my team a few years ago uh, where the kids were like just acting like jackasses at Boston Pizza. And they were probably 10, nine or 10, I think. And once you get a bunch of kids together and boys in particular, well, girls as well, but boys boys become orangutans. Girls, I think, become really, really loud. Boys, ugh, they're just orangutans. They are all over the place. They're active. They're in the bathroom. They're in the woman's bathroom. It was, it was terrible. It was terrible. So one of the things that had happened though prior to that you know, we go out for lunch and, uh, I said to the guys, Hey boys, um, you know, you're representing your team, you're representing, you know, the, the association, your families, you know, all, the usual raw, raw speech in one ear out the other. And I get it. I get it. So the boys quickly, you know, it became Lord of the flies behavior. And, um, so knowing that respect, is a value of mine. And, and that's something that's a behavior that I want to see in, in the teams I coach. We, uh, next practice. We made the boys, um, do some lines. And so, uh, they call them, well, they used to call them suicides, but I think we don't use that term anymore. So I just say the lines. Um, and so you, they line up on the goal line in the case of hockey and they're on their backs, they're looking up and, when I blow a whistle, they go under their stomachs and then they get up and then they skate to whatever line I want them to go to. Now, just to make sure that the lesson was crystal clear as to why they're doing this, these lines. And with young kids and any kind of new employee, if, you're, if you will be doing any kind of discipline or, or kind of behavior modification, it's really, really important to continue to reinforce why it is. Because they're going to extrapolate That, oh, we're being punished because of uh, one of us was wearing a white hockey sock, which is not the case. So for me, anytime that sort of discipline has to happen, I'm very clear why it is. And I reinforce that. So the the boys were on their back and I just made them yell that the Raiders behave in public. And they would shout it out. They'd go and they'd go to the blue line. They'd skate back. Go on their backs again. Repeat. Raiders. Behave in public, and so, and then I tied it into why that was important after we ended those that particular kind of behavior modification technique, and um, even to this day, uh, I I run into some of those players, and they know they know that they behave in public when they're in the team environment, even though I'm not coaching, and it ties back into into respect. So right off the bat, you got to figure out what what will be important for your team. Or, you know, again, whether it be your workplace or or your your team. So values, 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 because that will tell you what's important. And then, you know, once I've figured that out and hopefully it aligns closely with your own values because you're the coach and you can kind of impose these values for lack of a better word, then what you want to do is you want to gather as much as possible like-minded people who share your views, who share your values. And the reason for that is because you want strong cohesion with regard to the leadership team, essentially. So we're talking about, um, you know, an assistant coach or two, uh, helper dads or moms. We're talking about managers. We're talking about treasurers. We're talking about all of these other things. Um, And so. That's, that's really important is to get your, your immediate team together. And uh, I even have gone so far as to call it unofficially the brain trust because we bounce ideas off of each other. And we always have you know dissenting opinions or we often do, which is really, really good. Like, do we want to go to a tournament out of town early in the year or late? Do we want to uh, book a couple more practices or whatever it is? We throw it out to the brain trust. And then we have a quick conversation. It's often non-binding, so we're not running anything, but it's just, hey, are we are we out to lunch on this one? And so I trust those folks, and I call them the brain trusts. So they they become kind of the inner circle, for lack of a better phrase. Once I've got that in place, I want to um, you know when I when I pick the team as well. And, and what's really really important is there's a whole school different schools of thought on do you hire or recruit for skill or do you hire and recruit for culture and i'm not going to go into the whole debate about it here tonight but i can tell you my own personal opinion on this and and we'll pursue it in future podcasts and i'm actually going to make a note of that one i like it um and actually while you're if uh if you wouldn't mind commenting which which would, you, uh, which would you hire for, culture or for skill? I would actually be curious to find out what, what the answer might be and what the opinion is. So I also recognize that there's a bit of a delay here too. So we'll see what, uh, what that looks like on the comments. All right. So let's uh, so that that also goes into how I pick the team is I, I personally choose culture over skill because culture to me is important. That's the team camaraderie. That's the culture of behavior. Those are the you know the values I talked about. So I want folks that will be kind of in alignment with what my values would be, and so I choose culture virtually every single time um versus kids that maybe have a high skill level and i know them personally and maybe um you know that that's not the, the team environment i want to go with so then once I've, I've picked the team i've picked the inner circle the brain trust of the people the manager the assistant coach then i set expectations and i we're going into this ad nauseum in future episodes and for sure expectation setting is critical, it is critical, because you can even take disparate, different views on stuff and and backgrounds and all of that stuff, but if you set the expectations as the leader, as the coach, then everybody is on the same page. Now, I know that some associations, you know, want you to actually write it out and people sign it and all those things. I I get it, I get kind of the liability around that and that sort of thing, but uh, in my meeting, early with the parents, I I, I set expectations. And the, those expectations are, guess what, around respect is a big, big part of it. So not just with the kids, but also as parents. So I set those expectations with the parents, the folks I work with, and equally important, the team. And we're very, very clear. I don't have a lot of rules, but the ones that I do have are black and white. They're non-negotiable. So I don't have a long list of Do's and don'ts. I I have very, very few. Uh, But they're, as I said, non-negotiable. So then once we've established that and we get agreement on it, then it's a big part of my job as the coach and the leader is to reinforce what those expectations are, both in a positive and a negative way. So I will reinforce positively if the expectations are being met. But I am also very, very quick to hold somebody accountable on the team. Um, if those expectations are not being met, for example, so, uh, and I find that in the workplace or in an emergency services situation or hockey or whatever, I have to do that more frequently early, which makes complete sense because people are trying to figure out, you know, get the, the left or right boundaries. And I make a point of that. I make a point to make sure that I'm, I'm hitting on those expectations really, really early and often. Uh, to make sure that I establish what the team norms will be. So uh, once I've set those expectations, I reinforce them. And I'm constantly, constantly, constantly evaluating. And I'm constantly evaluating not just skills, that's important too, but the culture and are they picking up on those values? Are they responding well? Are they listening? Are they being good teammates? Are they being respectful? Are they being all of these things? And it's not just on the ice or on the field or in the boardroom. It's every or as many interactions as I possibly have with them can have with them. And also pay attention to interactions they're having with others in on the team or, you know, in the boardroom or around lunch or whatever that is. And, And I'm not being all paranoid and shit, but I'm just being very, very aware of how that individual or those individuals interact and do they continue to walk the walk. And a big part of it is, I, and I know this is something I was guilty of when I first started as coaching, because as a coach, I was pretty negative. I was, I was really, I was, a, I was a dick probably is probably a good way of putting it. Um, cause it, that's, that was a culture that I had been raised in when it comes to hockey. Now some could argue and I've been described as being tough, but fair, uh, which is okay by me, which is as long as it's that fair part, I never want to be unfair or unreasonable, but, um, for sure. I, I want to make sure that I'm positively reinforcing expectations and the values and not just being negative Nancy the whole time and leading by a culture of fear. I don't want that at all. So even more recently, I've been very, very careful and more positive than I ever have been. And in fact, I've even asked, um, you know, my assistant coaches or the assistant coaches that I support and the, the helpers are on the ice or in the bench, say, hey, you know what, if I, if I come across a little too heavy-handed or too negative, just, you know, let me know. And I'm literally okay with that. So then once we've gone through all of that stuff, skills, right? A big part of leadership, a big part of coaching is building skills in those that you support. Again, whether it be in the workplace or on the field or on the ice. And so I use the mentality or the approach of crawl, walk, run. And it's, it's sequential. The problem if we leap to run and we, we kind of burden somebody is we create what's called scar tissue learning. Which means we, we put on so much stress onto the person that they're, they're locked up. They're frozen. They go deep, deep into their subconscious, into the fight or flight. And we've talked about that before. And last episode, we talked about fear and specifically what we call irrational fear, which is a fear in the absence of 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 an actual threat. So keeping in mind that a big part of leadership is creating a good, safe environment, we have to make sure that we we build, it's a building block approach to learning skills. And using that crawl, walk, run, the first thing I do is, is learning fundamentals basics, just basics and, and whatever that skill set needs to be you start off pretty simple and, and you build onto it. And then once you build that technical skill, whether it be in emergency services, the boardroom or in a hockey, then I build stress onto that. So in the form of what this looks like, maybe on the ice is first part of a drill or first, first time we do drills, a particular drill it'll be slow speed, no rush, no pressure from anybody. Just go, do it, learn those basic technical skills. Pass the puck from here over to here, throw the football from here to here, whatever that looks like. Now, then once we have a good foundation of that, then I start to amp up the pressure a little bit. So maybe I'll send a coach in to apply what we call pressure, so speed that play up a little bit. And you'll see that it's a lot easier because the player on your team, they no longer have to worry about the fundamentals and the basics of the technical skill. They now have that down. And so they can focus more on now the problem of having somebody come at them than they are of how am I going to make this particular pass? And it sounds really, really rudimentary, but I'm telling you, I've trained thousands of people. I've coached hundreds of people. I've played sports my entire life and and I'm absolutely hugely supportive of that approach. The crawl, walk, run. Do not apply stress too early because it's just going to create scar tissue. And then what will also happen is the, the player will do whatever they need to do to get out of that situation, which means they'll make a shitty pass. They're going to cut corners. They're not going to do the skill properly. So... You want to make very, very clear to them that they're learning the technical skill first, but then you introduce a little bit of pressure onto that. So it's a process. It's absolutely a process. But if you're a coach, then you need to invest the time and the effort into you know, into the players. And then once we go from there, then we start building in systems, like systems of systems. So we work on that crawl, walk, run even as a team. So we learn a particular component of a system, another component of that system. And then we put them all together and then you have all of those different parts and then boom, away you go. So again, crawl, walk, run is a fundamental premise of any kind of development. And last but not least, a lot of things that I do is I don't change drills up a lot. I keep that's the same drills pretty fundamentally the same. Um, and a couple of reasons for that, one of which, especially kids, um, they're they're not always the sharpest knives in the drawer. Uh, They're not terribly focused all the time, and so you really want to repeat drills often so you don't have to explain it every time and waste valuable ice time or valuable time on the field. And what that also does is that gives them that fundamental foundation, and then we can make the drills far more complex very, very easily to introduce new concepts and, and so on and so forth. So, that is my approach. So I'll just to go through it really really quickly again. Uh, first thing I do is, is I decide on what values will be in place. And, and respect is a big one for me. I gather like-minded people around me to, to, so I can support them, do what they need to do. Uh, that includes choosing the, the players or the team. Uh, and I choose culture over skill most, if not all of the time. I set expectations, I, I can't speak enough or st- more strongly about that. And I reinforce those expectations and I evaluate, I constantly offer positive feedback. And then with regard to the skills, it's crawl, walk, run. I do even add down to the individual player or the individual employee or team member, everyone has good skills and they have skills they need to work on, so crawl, walk, run. And it's a development, it's not just leaping to the end. and adding all the stress on you have to invest your time and your energy into each and every employee each and every team team member so the takeaway if you're a leader think of yourself as a coach act accordingly all right you're a leader but think of yourself as a coach if you are a youth sports uh coach or or at any level Think about yourself as really the leader of that particular team or that organization or that agency. Now, conversely, though, if you're a coach, um, yeah, think of yourself as a leader. And if you're the leader, think of yourself as a coach. You know, I, I don't. It's pretty straightforward and act accordingly. So I'll leave you with this. Don't be just a manager or a leader. Be a connected leader. Influence through respect and not fear. Be self-aware. Facilitate. Don't dictate. Be vulnerable and expect vulnerability. Be empathetic and expect it back. Be compassionate. That includes self-compassion. Expect compassion in return. Be calm. Manage your stress and and the stress levels of those around you. Expect calmness. So you want to be be a connected leader. So you connect first and then you lead. (coughs) So please, join uh, or... Subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and also keep your eyes open for um, the online challenge when it happens. Thanks for watching.